Annenberg Media. This is the Annenberg Learner Podcast, where we aim to elevate the education profession through conversations that inspire, recognize, and encourage innovation and best practices in the field. We track the lived experience of teachers, students, and parents alongside the ecosystem that serves them. Guest speakers will share what's working and the steps we can take to reimagine and redesign teaching and learning for our most vulnerable populations. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Annenberg Learner Podcast. With me today is Adam Lane, principal at Haines City Senior High School in Polk County District in Florida. Adam Lane has worked in K-12 public education since 1995, ranging from high, middle, and elementary schools. During that time, Lane also held various positions as a teacher, department head, athletic coach, athletic trainer, assistant principal, and principal. As principal at Haines City High School and HCIB, Lane serves 2,900 students, 230 staff members, and five assistant principals. Under Lane's leadership, Haines City High School includes an IB program, a junior reserve officer training corps, the Environmental Agriculture and Technology Academy, the Academy of Media Production, the Academy of Children's Educational Studies, the Visual Arts Pathway, and the Performing Arts Pathway. Principal Adam Lane believes the key to success is decision-making, relationship building, and positive behavior to create an unforgettable experience and raise student achievement. Lane works to provide a positive and successful learning environment while striving to improve students' academic, emotional, and social development. He believes in providing students with the foundation of education that promotes lifelong learning. Welcome, Adam. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, and I, I love talking about education, so I'm excited. Thank you. And the recent news, Adam recently received a Principal of the Year Award. Congratulations. We're really, really honored to have you here today. Yeah, thank you. Um, it just happened over the summer in June, and I'm the NASSP, which is the National Association of Secondary School Principals. So I'm the state of Florida principal nomination. There's one for each state. And then in October during principal week, they'll pick the national principal of the year. So I'm excited to be in the running. Awesome. That's great. Uh, What an an honor it is for us to have you and would love to hear about the work that you've been doing. Can you please share a little bit about why you've been recognized as principal of the year for Florida? Yeah, I think one of the reasons is I started out as a member of the Florida Association of School Administrators, which is our our state organization. And we have some great committees. Uh, We have a diversity committee, membership committee, conference planning committee, in a legislative committee. You know, one of them, our, our legislative committee is, uh, it's really powerful. It's a group of principals that advocate for education. We go to Tallahassee. We meet with uh, senators and representatives from our districts. We even go to Washington, D.C. We meet with representatives for our states. And, you know, every year is a little different, but this last year, our main three priorities that I'm sure you can relate to was the first one was the educator shortage and building that principal pipeline. How do we make the education profession shine and promote it to attract people like 
it used to be such a such a prestigious place to be have we slipped from there and and how do we get it back and then how do we build that pipeline from substitutes to teachers to assistant principals to principals and what's that going to take what what do we need from our our legislatives and our our senators and our representatives to build that back uh, our second main concern this year whether we're in Tallahassee or Washington is our school mental health resource and safety and you know it was always a concern but after 2 years of e-learning and you don't have that day-to-day connection with a lot of our students. We need more social workers. We need more counselors. We need more psychologists. And then the third one is the conditions of our buildings. Mm-hmm. How do we make sure we have new buildings for the development in certain areas? So we're not overcrowding schools, especially old schools. And even our old schools how do we upgrade them with new HVAC systems and everything we need for just a safe environment? So that's just touching base on one of the committees and how busy we can be working with legislators and representatives and, and senators and really making that education profession the number one thing people should want to go into after school and Agree. Thank you. One of the uh, initiatives that Learner really is trying to support is how do we get teachers in the classroom and what does that pipeline look like? How do we get people excited mm-hmm. and retain them? I'm curious what the outcomes of some of this work has been, or is it still in the process? What does that look like? It's still in the process, but I can tell you, you know, depending on what state and what policies have come about, I can say like in Florida, I believe it's gotten much better. There, there's a lot of incentives for new teachers. Um, our starting pay was just rate raised to 47500 People coming out of college need to also realize that's a 10-month contract. There's still two months that you can either go lay on the beach and relax and get your lesson plans ready, or you can get another job. And in the benefit, our health packages have increased with better mm. coverage. The amount of personal days and sick days have increased. Uh, there's even incentives now for, for moving expenses to go to certain districts that they'll cover the cost to get you there. The mental health piece, uh, there has been more funds issued where I can say at my school, I'm up to 13 guidance counselors and I have a full-time psychologist and a full-time social worker Wow. which I always had to share one before with other schools, but now they're right there on campus every day, which is amazing. You can subscribe to the Annenberg Learner podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. That's great. Do you know anything about credentialing? Is that changing in Florida or at the national level? Teachers starting to get paid sooner, making it easier for them to get through the credentialing system so that they can get in the classroom faster. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, there's a lot of fantastic people that are just so good for kids, but maybe they were not an education major. Maybe they were a major in another field. Let's say you have a four-year degree in marketing, but I have a science opening. You might be a fantastic person that knows science, but you're not certified in education. You're not certified in science. I can hire you for one calendar year. And we can work on courses and we can work on passing the state exam in science to get you certified 
to be a science teacher the, the next year. And that's just a one-year entrance to pull in great people that just maybe missed the boat on the education profession but realize I, I love the salary. I love summers off. I love being around kids. And I'm just a good relationship maker. And that's what that policy was made for. That's great. I'm glad to hear that the that those are changing to make it easier. In your new role as Florida Association of School Administrators president, yes. congratulations on that. What goals do you have for this upcoming year? So as president of the Florida Association of Secondary School Principals, what, what, what I'm really looking for is I want to increase membership in FAFSA. I want more principals to join our state organization, but you got to have a purpose. They have to feel a purpose to join. So I'm looking to build our networking. That is something that joining FASA and becoming an NASSP member has done for me is the networking opportunities to, to call a principal in Colorado and say, hey, are you having homecoming this year? Especially during the COVID times, how are you handling homecoming? Are you calling Rhode Island? Are you going to blended learning? Are you doing e-learning? Like that networking piece that you're not alone and you can call other districts and other states and have cell phones in your back pocket is amazing. So I really want to increase the membership to show them the purpose of the networking that can be involved. And then when you have that, you're going to get more involvement and more numbers in things like the legislative committee that I mentioned or the conference planning committee or... You know, it goes on and on. I really want to focus on that membership and that networking and the involvement of great principals from around the state. Yeah, it sounds like it's a really great opportunity for them to continue their learning as well. Um, when Sometimes when I think of maybe it's teachers, but in the classroom, it can be very isolating. And I don't networking doesn't come to mind when I think of education. So it's wonderful that that's uh, making its way to uh, this organization. What has your own educational experience been like and what drives you to do this work? Yeah, I grew up in, in Northeastern Ohio, uh, a very rural area, small school, you know, sports, future farmers of America, very like community-based. The school and the functions of the school were just the highlight of every night and every weekend. For everybody, whether you had kids at school or not. So I loved that. And I had such amazing teachers and I still stay in contact with them. And that's what made me want to go into the, the education profession and, and be a teacher, which led me to want to be a principal and help teachers become better teachers. You know, what, what leads me is relationship building. Uh, decision making, creating unforgettable moments. And I think, you know, any of my staff will tell you, we really focus on making good decisions. How do we become better decision makers? What leads us to make a decision? And do we get better day to day through trial and error? Because we're all at different levels. But the main thing is we're going to go through things and we need to make sure we're better tomorrow than we were today and we're better at graduation time than we were at freshman orientation you know you mentioned as a teacher you never thought of networking well you need a principal that's going to bring teachers together 
and and make that number one on their priority is I'm going to create moments to bring people together to communicate and to share and we're going to make it unforgettable so they want to come back to work every day and the teachers keep coming back and the students want to come back and learn as a principal you better create unforgettable moments that they don't want to be anywhere else but at your school well that brings me to my next question which you've touched on a little bit but um i'd love for you to share what what it feels like to walk into haynes city senior high school what does one see here feel Uh, can you paint a picture for us yeah uh, first of all i wish you could calm down i'd walk you through the halls and take you on a tour but um you know, my second year there, we, we got a group of students and parents, community members, teachers together. We rewrote our whole vision and mission to match exactly what you said. How do you feel when you walk the halls? What do you see? What do you hear? And does your heart beat? Do you, you get tears in your eyes because things like what was on paper didn't match what we were doing. And we wanted to write a, a vision and mission that matched what we were doing. See, our focus is we're a PBIS school, positive behavior interventions and supports. We're one of 19 high schools in the state of Florida, but we're relationship-based. Everything has to start with a relationship before curriculum, a relationship before testing, a relationship before the pacing guide. So we don't rush to the curriculum. We rush to build a foundation of relationships. So, you know, we start out, we want our students to serve as productive, responsible citizens. So when you come in as a freshman, I'm not concerned where you're going to go to college in four years. I'm not concerned right then where you're going to go to work. I'm concerned about your behavior. Are you a productive, responsible citizen? And do you know what that means? Because if I can make sure that's in place... Colleges are going to want you. The workforce is going to want you. The military is going to want you. So once we know you're a productive, responsible citizen and you have that respect for your classmates and your teachers, then we prepare you for one of three things. We're going to make sure you are ready to go to the workforce and make some good money. We're going to make sure every college and university is beating down your door because they want you for your post-secondary education. Or we have a very strong JROTC program, and a lot of our students have careers in the military. I could go on and on about all of it, but we created a place called Hornet Nation. We're the Haines City Hornets. So the kids and everyone came up with Hornet Nation, and really it's like a membership club that we're all part of. We, we feel safe there. We feel a sense of pride. We feel confidence. We have a common ground. It's just like a connection that explodes and makes your energy go crazy. I love so it. So come on down. <laughs> I love it. I, I think it's very uh, telling that, you know, it, it took a while for us to even talk about like curriculum and testing. Cause sometimes I feel like schools are so driven by that. Uh, so it's refreshing to hear relationship first. Yeah. Curriculum um, and testing will not make you excited to come back to school every day. <laughs> relationship building and loving your teachers, and you can't wait to have lunch with your classmates, that stuff will keep you coming back. You're ready to dive into the curriculum and testing with your teachers and your classmates because you feel supported. Like you're not going to let each other down. You have such a level of respect for each other. 
As part of its mission to advance excellent teaching in American schools, Annenberg Learner funds and distributes educational video programs with coordinated online and print materials for the professional development of K-12 teachers. Many programs are also intended for students in the classroom and viewers at home with videos that exemplify excellent teaching. K-12 educators, students, and lifelong learners may access Annenberg Learner resources for free at learner.org. Please note, rights restrictions may limit the availability of some series. For the latest information about learner programming and availability, sign up for the Annenberg Learner Newsletter at learner.org. Um, so we may have already answered the next question, but so you were able to decrease discipline referrals by 31% and increase graduation rates by 20% in the last years. What do you attribute this to? Well, there's a direct data correlation that we realized five years after we started it. And, and I'll start with the end in mind is we found out as our discipline referrals went down and I'm talking in school suspension, out of school suspension, overall discipline referrals went down. Our grad rate consistently went up as our discipline referrals went down, but there was a middle section missing. And then we realized what it was. It was, as discipline referrals went down, teacher retention went up because teachers wanted to be at Haines City High School because it wasn't all about arguing. It wasn't all about writing discipline referrals. It wasn't all about kicking kids out of the class. It was about building relationships and feeling good and having a nice climate and culture. So as discipline went down, teacher retention went up, and then that automatically drove graduation rate to go up but to to drive the graduation rate up was never one of our goals we even discussed in the beginning it was just how do we get kids to come to school and not be suspended and then how do we even get them to school because they only show up about once every 10 to 15 days so you know, I, I think the, the positive behavior interventions and support system was one of the major factors because we had uh, students and staff and parents and community members create expectations on how do we expect you to behave in the classroom? How do we expect you to behave when you use the restroom? What's the expectation when I go in the cafeteria? When I'm in the hallway, what are the expectations? Because when you have 3,000 kids on one tiny little piece of real estate, they better understand every specific detail of what the expectation is for you to behave. And then we created the Hornet Buck. So not only did you have the expectation, but when you met it, we rewarded you with what we call the Hornet Buck, which is money that you can go to the school store and spend. And our school store is like a super Walmart. It has everything you can imagine from shirts, pens, pencils, lanyards, hats, and it's all plastered with Hornet Nation and uh, Haines City High School. But, you know, if you, you set the expectation, you have a reward system, and then you have a means to cash in your reward, who doesn't want recognized? Who doesn't want positive feedback? And who doesn't want that in front of their classmates? So, even if you're bad, you're going to become good because you want attention too. And, and misbehaving isn't going to get it for you on our campus. 
Best Buy is committed to building brighter futures for teens through tech. With an extensive network of Best Buy teen tech centers, teens are provided safe after-school spaces where they can get hands-on experience with the latest technology in areas like programming, filmmaking, music production, and design. Best Buy has set a goal to support 100 teen tech center locations by 2025, expanding the program's reach to 30,000 teens each year. To find a Best Buy teen tech center near you, visit corporate.bestbuy.com slash social dash impact slash teen dash tech dash centers. So thank you for sharing about the how this also helped with teacher retention. So one of the ways we actually found you, Adam, was through a profile in, I believe it was EdWeek, about how you were able to uh, avoid staffing shortages. So can you talk about that? What's the secret sauce? That article came out as we have not had any staff shortages, um, I would say, in six years. And that, that was prior to COVID. And even through the wow. COVID tough times when there were a lot of vacancies, we just didn't have it. And it's because of our alumni. We, we have been graduating people that love their teachers, love the culture, love the experience of high school, had all those unforgettable moments in their mind. And when they graduated, they would come back as substitutes, daily for substitutes, long-term substitutes. We would work on them as they're working on their four-year degree in education. Maybe they would sub for me and work for me Monday, Wednesday, Friday and take their college courses Tuesday, Thursday. Or maybe they'd go to college in the morning half a day and come in and help me in the afternoon and sub for me at the end of the day. Then once they had their degree, we'd put them right into a, a teaching position. But I have alumni that are subs, teachers, secretaries, assistant principals, custodians. You go on and on. And you know how it goes. Once you become a staff member and you graduated with 17 of your friends and then you start talking and before you know it four more of your friends are now teachers in your hallway and it you know it just becomes a real family oriented type place you know i think a lot of that is you got to have a good product there there are high schools students graduate from they get their diploma and they run and they will never come back the rest of their life they will never bring their family or kids back but then there's those high schools where they graduate and they want to hang out. They want to bring their husband or wife and kids to football games and hang out. So you really got to build that product. But then you got to make sure your seniors are invited and encouraged to come back and work with you to make the school an even better place. And the article you read, that's what that was all about is we couldn't rely on anybody. But, but, but as a principal, even my first three years, I was like, I'm going to graduate these kids, get them ready for the real world and say goodbye. Well, they're awesome. Why, why am I not recruiting them after they graduate to come back and fill my vacancy? So you really got to have that mind shift to get the pipeline going. I love how you talk and, you know, I have a, a little bit of business background, but hearing you talk about it as a product and like, and building this culture reminds me of business. And, and if you're wanting people to come back and uh, and have the best. That's a that's definitely a great approach. And just wondering why more people aren't doing it. <laughs> it is a business. It you know it's not just sipping milk and sitting on a carpet square. <laughs> it's a business. 
there's grades, diplomas, people are demoted, promoted, mm-hmm. fired. I mean, it goes on and on and, and we need to treat education like a business on the surface, but it's very fun and loving and mushy on the inside. Who better to hire than an, an alumni student that knows your mission, your vision, has walked yeah. the halls, knows your expectations, knows exactly as a teacher, what those kids need, because you know what? You were just that kid four years ago. You know exactly what that kid needs. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Um, so given your experience and your success in recruiting and retaining talent, uh, what advice do you have for other leaders? If they wanted to start somewhere, where could they start? Well, I can tell you where I started in you know, I, I was never a principal before Haines City. I'm, I've just opened up my eighth year. I, I love it. A lot of principals will come in and they feel they got to change everything. They, they have the final piece of decision making out of everybody. Yes, that's true. But you're only one person. You got, I got a staff of 247 now. I'm up to six assistant principals now. Our enrollment keeps going up, but. I got to realize really my job is to create a platform for people to express their self and feel empowered. So an example, when I got there, we were on a, a seven period day, you know, 48 minutes, seven periods. When COVID came about, we switched to a block schedule. So we met every other day for 90 minutes just, you know, to reduce seating charts, reduce movement. Try to make it a safer environment. So last year, my teachers came to me, my department heads, and said, hey, can we vote and see if the staff and students want to go back to a seven out of seven? Because the block schedule, a lot of people just felt it was tough. Like Hmm. a 90-minute class and you meet every other day. That connection of meeting, I need to meet you every day. I don't care how long it is. We need to check and connect. So we had multiple discussions with faculty, students, students shared their opinions to the faculty, faculty shared their opinions to the student, and we took it to a vote, and they voted they wanted to go back to a straight seven out of seven. But we do that with everything. We do that with dress code. Do we allow rips and tears in the jeans? Do we allow Crocs? Are we going to allow hats outside? Do we take them off inside? What I'm trying to say, I could just sit there and say, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this, but no one's going to listen to me. But if I create a platform and have discussions and forums and set up a voting system, everyone has buy-in to everything from the dress code to the bell schedule. So I think my, my main advice to principals outside of relationships first is create a platform for discussion, forums, and voting and let your people decide what they want and go with it. And it, did you say that the students also have a voice in this? In the- oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely they do. And, and our teachers like listening to the students. Like they packing your backpack, okay? Like a teacher doesn't think what goes into a teenager's mind at home when they pack their backpack. And they shared how confusing it was not knowing if it was a green or white day and which classes they had. So they always brought everything and it hurt their back. It was tough to carry it. Where if they have a straight seven, they felt like teachers gave them less books, gave them less work because they seen them every day. 
in the end, it wasn't that they did less work or had less books, but it felt like it. And they, they knew exactly where they were going instead of, you know, you, you miss one block day, you might not see your teacher the whole week. So it, it's, it's just creating those environments where you learn from each other. That's fantastic. I mean, I think what I imagine or I remember hearing from students is there's the sense of not really having a voice or in decision-making and being able to be a part of that at such a young age is wonderful that there's the space for that. Um, and then also for teachers to learn about the student experience, because the further out you are, the more you forget. Yeah. And <laughs> one of my favorite events is um, we do lunch with the principal uh, the last Friday of every month. And like I said, with the Hornet Bucks, they use 10 of them for a chance ticket. I usually have about 100 or 200 kids. And then I pick 10 of them in our local Pizza Hut or different restaurants that bring in food. Well, that's what it's all about. We sit together and they tell me what they like, what they want to change. The restrooms need more paint or we really like the new senior parking lot. I don't know that stuff unless I sit down and have pizza and some soda with them and really hang out to hear what their concerns are or what to continue and what not to do anymore. Um, thank you for sharing that. It makes me want to visit. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about the importance of the academies and the IB program in, at your school? You know, we have 3,000 kids and you can get lost. And, and we all know smaller learning communities produce more, not only mental benefits, but academic benefits. We have an IB program, JROTC program. We have career academies such as the Academy of Children's Educational Studies. We have an Academy of Media Production. A lot of those kids will go on to work at like Universal Studios and Disneyland and Island of the Adventure. And some of them want to be in front of the camera. Some of them want to be behind the camera and learn sound and lighting. And then our other big academy is the Environmental Agriculture and Technology Academy. And those kids are like in my day, the future farmers of America, but it's so much more developed now. I mean, they have their own livestock. They have their own citrus wow. field. We try to create as many cool academies and programs such as IB and JROTC. And we make sure every student on our campus falls into at least one of those just to have a smaller learning community. They, they hang out together. They go to sports together. They have study hall together. It brings the parents of those kids together. I just think without that academy piece, kids are going to get lost and possibly lose an interest in school. The Wallace Annenberg Gen Space is an innovative center for older adults to pursue creativity, connection, and lifelong learning. For more information, visit genspace.la. So I'm just going to switch gears here a little bit. What are you reading, watching, or listening to these days? I'm not too big on watching or listening. I, I'm, I'm, I like listening to music. I'm an 80s rock hairband guy, so everything from Guns N' Roses to Def Leppard to Bon Jovi, I, I really like my music. Uh, I play a little guitar on the side. I'm trying to get better every day and learn songs from my students and staff. I'm taking their requests. But I do like to read two of the books I've been reading most recently, and I kind of read them before, but you go back and revisit the great ones, is um, Malcolm Gladwell, The Tipping Point. I think yeah. that is a, a great book for anybody, especially 
principals and teachers because when you look at the tipping point, it's all about that magic moment when an idea or a trend or a social behavior crosses that threshold, tips and spreads like wildfire. So we talk about, you know, as a principal building a culture. Well, it's like you watch the needle. You're not there. You're not there. You're not there. And boom, everyone wants to work there. And that's that tipping point you work for. Or as a teacher, your kids just aren't getting it. You keep retesting them and and assessing. And all you want is for it to connect so they can somehow show you And I remember as a teacher, the tipping point when you finally figured out how to make that connection to get that information into them. So you know it. The tipping point by Malcolm Gladwell is one of my most recent rereads. And that's going to be my recommendation for the day. Thank you so much, Adam. It's definitely a pleasure to witness someone so visionary and who's instilled such a culture of leadership and empowerment for your staff and your students. Um, We're really excited to hear what happens in October. And thank you. Hey, thank you. And again, the invitation to come to Haines City is there anytime. The Annenberg Learner Podcast joins the catalog of multimedia professional learning content to support educators teaching in more effective ways. Annenberg Learner is the education division of the Annenberg Foundation. Learner supports the foundation's mission to encourage the development of more effective ways to share ideas and knowledge. Go to learner.org or contact us at podcast at learner.org.